Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Everyone, ask you to take your chairs, please. Look at that, Gordon Campbell. <laughs> How wonderful to have you with us, Gordon. Good afternoon. My name is Diane King. I'll be your moderator today, and our topic is Should Taxpayers Support the Redevelopment Plan of the Exhibition Park? First, I would just like to do some housekeeping. Our format is that we will have our speakers speak till approximately 12.30, then we'll break for lunch, and then about between about 10 to 1 or so, we'll bring you back for questions so that we have as much time as possible. Um, the cost is $11 for the session, and so that includes a lunch. So we ask you to put that at your table, and somebody will be there to collect that. And I would remind you that there's a website for SACPAW. It's www.sacpaw.com. .ca. So please feel free at any time because all of the previous um, uh, presentations are on that website and it tells you what's coming up. I want to thank you to the board of SACPAW. They are a volunteer board, have been all along. They work very hard on your behalf to always bring you great topics and this organization remains one that is admired around the world. So I was proud to be a part of it at one time. I would also like to thank the partners of SACPAW, and that is the University of Lethbridge and Country Kitchen Caterers, Shaw TV, for uh, covering the, the broadcasts weekly, and you can catch it at 4.30 Sundays and throughout the week on Shaw. And I would also like to thank other media who cover things. It's wonderful to always hear through the Herald what's coming up and then to read about the speakers afterwards. So I uh, hope I haven't missed anyone. So our topic today is, should taxpayers support the redevelopment plan of Exhibition Park? The Exhibition Board of Directors is also a board that has been made up of volunteers, and the board has been in place for over 100, 115 years. They have been on their present site for 100 years, and we're now probably going to talk about not the elephant in the room, but the elephant in the community, because we've known for a long time that it has grown um, it's outgrowing or the community is, is growing beyond the capacity of the exhibition park to provide a venue for the many wonderful activities, whether it's from bulls to ball gowns, as I like to say when I've sat there at the graduations and watched the lovely ladies walking through in their ball gowns and known that just before that we had cattle and pigs there. We know that it's time to be looking at something different. Uh, we've been debating about the future of these aging facilities as they attempt to meet these growing needs for a long time. I moderated a session back in, I believe, 2008 where the board came to us with a plan of relocation. And since then, they have rethought that plan and come up now with one that they believe captures everything that the community needs. So over the past three years, they have definitely been doing their homework. And they've developed a bold new plan that our speaker is going to tell you about where they will remain in their location and see Lethbridge with a possible new trade and convention center, an agri agriplex, and, it argues, and they argue that their project would be sustainable for the long term. On March 25th, the board presented their plan to the City Council and requested $25 million out of the City Capital Improvement Plan 25 million, am I saying it wrong? 
$25 million from the province and $25 a million dollars from the feds. And the remaining $15 million would be provided by the exhibition board and their partners. Our speaker today is the general manager, Rudy Friesen. Rudy is a Saskatchewan boy, and I'm a Saskatchewan girl. Uh, he is a farm boy who attended the University of Saskatchewan and then in the 80s returned to farming. In 93, he began a career with the exhibition park of uh, Prairieland Park in Saskatoon as their agricultural manager and then served as the president of the Bo Board of Saskatchewan Association of Ag Societies and Exhibitions in 95, 96, and went to Swift Current as their general manager in 99, and came to Lethbridge in 2002 as the general manager. Rudy, would you please come forward and give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. You must have Googled me. More than I knew about myself, I think. Uh, good afternoon. It's uh, great to uh, be back here in, in front of the group and uh, uh, talk about a product project that we've been talking about for quite some time, but uh, one that's taken on a new twist here in the last little while, and we're pretty excited to share it with you in, in terms of the work that's been done. Uh, first of all, as Diane alluded to, uh, we've been around for a long time, uh, since 1897, originally located near downtown in what was Victoria Park. Uh, I think the remainder of that is now uh, Gyro Park. That was our original location. We moved out uh, in 1912 to uh, build new facilities and prepare to welcome the world and host the World Dry Farming Congress. It was quite a feat for the city at that time, you know. I think the population of the city at that time was about 8,200 people, and there was just under 6,000 delegates at that conference. So it was quite the undertaking. Uh, and you can see there that um, uh, through the course of time and, and reflecting the growth of the community, we developed and, and expanded our facilities over the course of our time there and, and uh, grew uh, the square footage and, and the most recent one being that main pavilion development in 2000 to join those other buildings together. So in that growth and, and growing with the city, um, uh, we've also grown in our contribution back to the community. Um, uh, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, is those community activities that really create economic ben benefit, which is really part of our core value uh, in terms of our programming and our existence uh, as a nonprofit community organization. So now we serve a trading area of about 280,000 people. Uh, we generate in excess of $80 million in economic impact annually based on our current operations. And uh, we see over 850,000 visitors to the park annually. Uh, so uh, that's a lot of activity uh, for uh, what started out as a little old Lethbridge exhibition. So I, I told you about something uh, exciting that's happened recently, and, and where it got its start was in 2009. Um, and as Diane mentioned, we had been in front of this group before talking about a development that was a, a kind of an internally-based development that uh, clearly identified some needs that we saw in terms of our program delivery. But nothing really more than that. Uh, uh, that was the focus, uh, and we tried to build some critical mass around that. Things started to change in 2009 when we created a joint committee that consisted, first of all, of members of our board of directors and members of city council. And then it grew to include various community stakeholders rep representing organizations such as Economic Development Lethbridge, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, Lethbridge Lodging Association, Chinook Country Tourist Association, and now that I started naming, I'm going to forget one um, or two or three. But you get the point. Uh, we, engaged, uh, we engaged a, a broader audience uh, in the process. Uh, we did an in-depth uh, in review of, first of all, where we were at as an organization, uh, the condition of our current facilities, uh, a market and needs assessment, um, 
the, the examining of six options for location and the multiple accounts evaluation framework were really the, the heavy lifting that was done to identify the fact that uh, uh, there was no compelling reason for us to develop anywhere other than our existing site. So it was nice to define that as part of the process. So to make, take another step beyond that core information, we developed a comprehensive market and needs assessment. Uh, we wanted to develop a business case, create a funding strategy around the project, and then ultimately have a design for what this thing might look like at the end and, and what it would take to build it. This is a lot of studies that were done, but it's important to highlight a couple of pieces of it. We, only, we didn't only just do the, the work that we wanted to do to, to analyze uh, needs, requirements, etc. We went out in the community and we gathered other work that had already been done. And, and it kind of sets an interesting time schedule for us because you see the first one on the list. The city of Lethbridge itself identified in 1998 that it needed a convention center. That's a need that as yet is unmet. And it, it led to some interesting conversations among the joint committee group and the various stakeholders. And uh, it, it at some point in time became a question about whether in fact you could kill two birds with one building. Could we build an exhibition facility that also met uh, the trade and convention demand that was unmet in the community? So it led to some further investigation along those lines and ultimately concluded with the last thing on your list, a tour of other exhibitions that were kind of in that uh, hybrid type of business and what that business looked like for them, the successes that they had, the operational challenges, the facility designs, etc. The other thing that we realized through the part of the process is, is some key things that the community was recognizing uh, as they uh, observed our operation and our existence. Uh, we were pleased to find that the community, by and large, feels that we're a vital part of the city's economic and social health. Uh, they recognized the condition of our facilities was deteriorating. Um, there was support for a long-term solution for Exhibition Park, and I think it comes from the fact that after 115 years of developing community programs, uh, there's an expectation that you're going to be around for at least another 115. Um, and, and there was also that understanding that without this convention facility, that business was not coming to this community at all. And that was an important piece of the puzzle, the growth puzzle that the city of Lethbridge was missing as it's approaching a population of 100,000 people. So that demand was a unique one that wasn't being met and also in conversations with convention planners and others, uh, it was growing, that demand was growing. So um, if we were to build a building that would be a trade and convention center but also meet the needs, uh, some of which are quite unique, uh, of Exhibition Park and its program delivery in the community, what might that look like? So a subcommittee of the Joint Committee uh, got together and started to f figure out some design principles. So they came up with a design like this, uh, open span connected trade show space, which the exhibition needs. You need those higher finished meeting rooms uh, to attract conventions. Um, because we were staying in, in uh, our current location, what a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of the gorgeous views around us and incorporating the ambience of Henderson, uh, Henderson Lake and, and the surrounding park. Separate agricultural space was a key. Uh, you heard the comment at introduction about, uh, what was it, bulls and, bulls and ball gowns? Yeah, that doesn't work so good anymore, we're finding. Um, and, um, and it's also a costly venture for us. Uh, when I started at Exhibition Park in 2002, from an operational perspective, it cost us about $2,500 a turn to put the dirt in the South Pavilion and in turn take it back out. Uh, today, that cost is about $6,000 and growing, just based on inflationary factors and, and increasing costs of equipment, and etc. And so 
it becomes prohibitive in terms of uh, a cost-benefit analysis on an agricultural event that requires the dirt in the building. So that was another challenge. And, uh, and we learned a little bit something from Saskatoon on that, uh, on that aspect, too, and I'll try and remember to touch base on that as well later. One of the other things that we needed uh, to recognize as well is that we needed some way to have that big, clear span space that we need break up into smaller span spaces, multifunction, uh, to, to uh, fulfill various different sizes of need. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we know the community is going to continue to grow, so we also wanted to allow for that further expansion. So the business case, uh, that was an important piece of the puzzle because typically uh, you get uh, a consensus that convention centers uh, tend not to make money. Um, uh, we've seen that the case in, in uh, several different communities. So we thought if we were going to undertake this, uh, we needed to make sure that it was sustainable and that it wasn't going to draw off of the current margin that the exhibition currently holds producing its own programs. So we looked at the business case that included the existing revenue that Exhibition Park holds, for our current trade shows and our programs and our events. We recognize that growth would allow for an, an enhancement of that programming. We've had a long, long, many years of waiting list for our trade shows like Ag Expo. This would allow those to continue to naturally grow, and there's revenues associated with that. And the key piece of the business case was that brand new incremental revenue, a revenue that's not even coming to this community at all right now. Uh, and uh, we wanted to look at that and find out if we put all those together, would we be sustainable? The business case had very conservative uh, uh, projections for operating margins, uh, at least conservative in my estimation. The projected business case on that model shows that we're going to hold about 9.1% of our gross revenues as net margin. Uh, right now, today, over the last uh, five, seven years, our average has been around 7% on our current operation. So you can see how I feel like a stretch up to 9% is not a big stretch in, in considering that you're including a lot of brand new revenue into the, into the equation. Um, it's also realistic. It's based on validated information provided by planners and the industry, and it's compared against uh, real operating examples. I mentioned the tours that we went to uh, Saskatoon and to Red Deer. Uh, this is right in line with their margins. Saskatoon's is a little below uh, uh, on, at the current time because of some debt financing work that they're doing, and uh, Red Deer is operating right now at about 12% margin. So we see the 9.1 as conservative. So it shows us that you can com we could combine these things, we could be conservative in our estimates, uh, and we would have a sustainable net operating income. And we could use that to uh, debt finance. You could do that uh, possible capital reserve for future needs as well. So we had a location, we had a viable business case, uh, so we wondered what this thing would look like. Uh, so we went to work and, and we got some consulting architects to, to put some designs together. Uh, this first one certainly doesn't show you what these buildings look like, but I just wanted to give you a sense of the orientation on our existing site, and this, this aerial shot gives you that sense of the orientation. And it's important for us because one of the things that really happened here uh, in the last number of years through this process that made this a real opportunity for us on the existing site is the city's decision at the end of that operating lease to, to turn that Henderson Lake campground over to us. That eight acres really meant that we could readjust our design, readjust our building site, and we can build this entire thing without interrupting our current business at all. Uh, and so that was a real key for us in terms of, uh, in terms of the designs. So the design, uh, as you can see, is a, a fairly attractive um, uh, functional facility that's facing out over the campground, or pardon me, the, the lake and the, and the park. 
Uh, it's got uh, a lobby entrance and, and a kind of a concourse area where you can divide the spaces up, and I'll show you that in a minute. The one on the bottom there kind of shows you what that view of Henderson Lake would look like uh, from those meeting rooms. And uh, here's the size that fit that business model. Uh, that indoor connected space we were looking at is 172,000 square feet. Um, uh, that's net space. We're currently at about 120 gross. Uh, the kitchen, uh, the meeting and convention space, uh, and the other support spaces that you need for these facilities. In talking with convention planners, that was one of the things for the types of uh, events that we would attract to the city with a facility like this. That was one thing that was really important to them. Because of the size of their uh, events, these larger conventions, they're not accustomed to having the hotel rooms attached to the convention space because they're too big for hotel convention spaces. What what's important to them is having an area that's a bit large enough to have the trade show, the meeting rooms, and the meals all in one location. So this design uh, accommodates that. Uh, this is a little difficult for you to see, but it shows um, uh, the large span space, our ability to break it out uh, into smaller areas, and then breakout rooms uh, kind of in the middle. And over here on the left-hand side shows the two floors uh, 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 representing some of that higher-end meeting space. Of course, you can go two floors because, as we mentioned, that uh, clear span space is 40-foot ceilings. So on the side, the meeting space can clearly be uh, the two stories. And uh, just quickly, the Agriplex, and uh, I'll try to remember the Saskatoon story here, but the Agriplex, uh, the design uh, mirrored to, uh, to look like the convention center on the outside, not so much on the inside, uh, where you've got that dedicated dirt floor, uh, the penning, uh, the wash base, uh, the support rooms uh, that we would require. And that's, uh, the, the, the spatial requirements for that is that 100 by 200 square foot dirt floor, uh, the room for the penning, uh, the dedicated livestock uh, wash areas, and the seating. Um, when we toured Saskatoon, they had a dedicated agricultural space that they provided for their, uh, for their facility development as well. Their singular motivation at the time was that they had six live animal events that they produced. Uh, they had a dairy show, a beef show, a horse show, etc. All they were wanting to accomplish is they wanted to get those events out of their core facilities into dedicated facilities so they wouldn't have the ball gown bull thing going on over there. So they wanted to do that. So they, they had a business case to build that, uh, that building just for those six events. In their first full year of operation, they hosted 52 agricultural events in that facility. That was a pent-up demand that they did not realize. 90% of that growth, growth equine. Um, and, and I think we would see a similar result with a dedicated space here. And the thing that we, other thing that we learned from Saskatoon is they originally built theirs with 900 seats. End of the first year, it was too small. So they're now trying to figure out how to expand their seating. So uh, we, can learn, we can learn from others, and, and this facility uh, design represents that. And it all costs a little bit of money uh, to do. Uh, uh, the phase one construction that we're looking at for that trade and convention center is at the 63 million, just under the 63. Uh, phase two at about 15, and then you've got your furnitures and fixtures, uh, furnishings and fixtures. Uh, the site development costs, um, these are all calculated at a fairly high level uh, right now. We're not at a lot of detail in this development at this stage, but uh, estimations are that the site development costs are going to cost uh, upwards of uh, $11 million for a total project cost of about $90 million, which is probably the same amount as it was uh, in 2008 when we were here just looking at an exhibition space, I think. There's a lot of detail here in, with respect to that construction schedule. Uh, the internal purposes of building the construction schedule, we're trying to figure out an ability to do it without interrupting uh, events that were ongoing at the park. 
Uh, that was one of the core functions of it. The important thing for me in terms of the timing of the project is, is that when I, the thing that catches me when I look at this is that whenever you decide to start this thing, it's going to take you two years or four years to build it. So every year that it gets delayed now is another year plus the four years that it's going to take you to build it, which means that it's a fairly large project and it, it's a fairly mammoth undertaking in terms of the construction. The funding strategy, uh, you've heard a bit of this already. We've been to the city of uh, Lethbridge on March 25th asking for $25 million in their current CIP that they're deliberating, uh, $50 million from uh, federal and provincial capital programs, and uh, uh, our organization putting in $15 million on its own. So um, by the city identifying this as a priority, which they're deliberating their projects right now, and as you know, um, there's, there's a lot more requests than there are dollars at the table. Um, but by the city identifying this project as a priority and funding the $25 million, that will allow us to move forward and capture those other levels of provincial and federal capital granting programs. Uh, as you're all probably aware, the federal budget announced a new Building Canada fund, 50-some uh, billion, I think it was, over 10 years. Uh, and we know that from the first opportunity that we put our, our program together, uh, then-MP Rick Casson said it was a perfect fit for Building Canada if we would have been shovel-ready, which we weren't. And so uh, 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 this explains uh, the other ways that we can uh, secure community and, and corporate sponsorships, etc. So uh, what's important for us at, at, this, at this stage of the game in, in order to enable us to go to those other levels of government is that the City of Lethbridge commits that this is a priority for the community. Um, and it's kind of the way government funding has gone recently where it's uh, local first. They want to see the local commitment first before they move on, and that's what we're asking for. So um, the, the key things, the, the key pieces of this, um, we have an existing $4 million a year operation that can slide right into this new convention center and be a core piece of start business uh, for this facility. It doesn't have to start from cold. We can maintain our current operations. Uh, it, it enhances our programs and allows them to naturally grow. Uh, it meets the needs of convention planners, uh, and, and they're not currently coming to Lethbridge with their conventions. Uh, it meets community demands and expectations, um, and uh, it's, it's a significant employment and economic generator, not only uh, after construction, but during construction as well. Uh, we've got uh, lots of letters of support. Uh, we've got a detailed development plan here. Bridget brought one. Uh, if you afterwards, if you want to look through it and see some of the letters of support. But there's the organizations that have supported us. Um, I, I understand we're going to do the question piece of this uh, after we eat. So I want to thank you for the opportunity to, to share this information with you. We're going to close by showing you a, a short video. Uh, Bridget, if you could uh, help me make this thing show a short video. I don't want to do all technical jargon on you guys. Um, and, and this is important to us because uh, the video is important to us, and we played it at the council presentation because this, since 2009, has become about so much more than Exhibition Park. It's become about something that touches everyone in the community and, and brings a lot of value economically, socially, and in terms of benefit for, uh, for virtually every uh, resident in southern Alberta. And we think the video is a good little snippet of, of individuals that kind of helps to demonstrate that, uh, that reach. I'm ready.
we tried to uh, get the uh, Canadian Chamber of Commerce AGM here, and one of the limitations that we had when we reviewed our proposal was the fact that we didn't actually have one facility that, that we could use, and, and, and it's great to have, you know, a facility that houses, you know, three or 400 people, but then also in turn to be able to break those into smaller groups of 50 to 100 um, for, for sub-meetings sub and stuff as well. And, and when you go to these meetings at, um, in other locations and when you have these facilities, you, you really get to see how that is something that is missing in Lethbridge. We would encourage um, City Council to support the, the redevelopment plan in terms of their capital improvement pr uh, program. We are way behind the times, especially when it comes to a convention center. We're talking about adding a facility to our um, city that is going to bring economic um, growth for absolutely everybody in Lethbridge. Uh, I can't think of uh, a group in Lethbridge that uh, won't benefit from having this facility here. Very important. I think it needs to be a top priority for the city as we continue to move forward. Uh, and it needs to be backed up with funding as soon as possible in order for us to be able to bridge this gap um, uh, where we're against other cities that, unfortunately, we just don't have the space. I think that, well, we've had a relationship with Exhibition Park over the last six years with Lobster Fest. Uh, very large community event. Uh, we draw 700 to 800 to 900 people from year to year. Uh, the exhibition uh, is a great venue for the event. Exhibition Park's been great at helping us and uh, aiding us to develop this event, which in turn supports the community, of course, because it allows us to raise the kind of funds that we need to support our local projects and our international projects. Uh, the venues have been limited. I mean, there's, there's certain limitations to the venues as they sit now. Um, yeah, you've got a, a great big room that, of course, you're moving. Uh, I think the week before, they've got an event in there where there's dirt in there, and then they move it out, and then we're, we're in there the week after and with more facilities, better facilities, uh, the ability to draw bigger crowds, more people, and raise more money. I think Exhibition Park and the development of Exhibition Park uh, is going to be important to the entire region as an economic driver, as a place where the community meets and shares and, and uh, you know, mixes and mingles and, and becomes a better community, really. The facility that we have now, as, as, as functional as it has been for a long, long time, is certainly showing not only just its age, but certainly is, uh, I feel, missing the boat. I, I, there's a lot of uh, things we can't do with those facilities. A lot of the meeting planners are talking to us about what they're looking for, and it's just very difficult, in fact, almost impossible to uh, incorporate that into our city anywhere. The uh, convention trade center, if you will, uh, absolutely uh, would meet the need uh, of our planners and organizers who need that kind of space and the size of space that's required and the things they need to do under one roof. The second phase, of course, would be instrumental to that whole agriculture society that, I, again, we're missing the boat. We're not able to accommodate these uh, organizations correctly, so they're going elsewhere. And I think we could certainly do a good job here in Lethbridge if we had the right facilities. But I can tell you that last year's growth was strictly based on the sporting event growth in the market. And that came because we have invested in the last few years in very significant sporting facilities. If we want to see the corresponding growth in conferences, conventions, trade shows, we need to see that kind of investment happen in those facilities. So there is a correspondence between the amount of economic impact that you can generate and the kinds of facilities and quality of experience that you can offer uh, the, the delegates and the visitors in the community.
The exhibition generates $81 million annually in economic impact here. I think that's a very significant number. I think what they have also demonstrated over time is that they are running a viable operation with a um, limited capacity in terms of facilities. That's an anchor value that will translate into the new facility and there isn't a lot of new investment that you can do as a community that already has an economic value driving it behind it. So there's a higher risk when you're building something from scratch that doesn't have something demonstrated than there is in this particular project where you've got demonstrated economic activity that will move into a new investment and help it springboard forward into the future. I think that's a great economic story and an opportunity that should be considered as we look at this. I think there's been a growing awareness over the last 10 years about the importance of this opportunity. And I think there's been so much community engagement in the last few years around this that the the community commitment, I think, is at a good stage for it. But corresponding to that is the market opportunity. And we know we've been turning away business that isn't coming because of quality and caliber of facilities here. And with that continuing into the future, you start to lose your ability to even go out and talk to them and keep them on hold. And I think we've been keeping a number of people on hold with the promise of good opportunities. And when you look at the ag market, we talked about potato producers. I know the Canadian Chamber of Commerce opportunity didn't come. Um, there, there's so many things that we could capitalize on, but how long can you keep them on hold? And I would like to believe that if we can start now, we'd be able to go out and start pitching to those people that they could come in three years. We'd have a lineup ready and then be able to capitalize it at that point. The further we push it back, the longer that horizon gets.